I'm just going to say morning. I, I, it's hard to say good morning today. Well, um, I was born in 1951, so it was a little bit after World War II and all of the things that had happened and all the things that... Um, there was some nasty stuff that happened in World War II. And, and the stuff that happens all right, right now, to right this minute, probably. And so I just... Lord, we ask you to be with the Palestinians. Let Use this to bring some of them into relationship with you. Some, you use this. Protect, protect, innocent. Even, even do things that people will later say, I repent of what I did. Same, same thing with Israel. The way that some of them, I'm sure, do things against Palestinians that they shouldn't do. And that they too might come to know you and all the countries from Iran over, you know, you listen to the news and you hear all kinds of stuff, Lord, and we just, we just uh, feel bad about it and wish humanity would be nicer to each other. Life is so short and you promised us abundant life. You said that you're the way, the truth, and the life. So we look to you today. Would you speak to each of us here today? And someone might see this later. We, we ask you to speak to us. In Jesus' name. You, you, know, you know, Clay's... Clay's got a son, Stephen Peter, we call him SP a lot, and he's married and lives in London. And he goes to a, a vineyard church there called Church 61? Uh, vineyard 61. Vineyard 61. So the la I guess it was the last time, they, it was when they were here and they had the baby with them, and I think that's when he told the story. Yeah, it's been a while since he told this story, so I, I'm going to start with a story. Because I just need something. All right. So I'll, I, I'm sure I'll make it longer than it, than it should be. But just okay. So in Iran, there is, uh, you know, there's Christians all over the world, different places. And there, in this particular town, there was a, a small Christian church. And a, a teenager, I believe he was at the time. And... He was going to go to church on this particular morning. And as he got near the church, he noticed that the police, whatever, however they, it's obvious to them, that the police were there at the church, which was not a good sign for the Christian church. And so he decided he wouldn't go any closer and that he would go home to his parents' house. So when he got to his parents' house, his father, he kind of pulls him in and says, you can't stay here. You know, they'll be checking for the people that are parts of that, of that Christian church that you're a part of, and uh, you, you can't stay here. Uh, so I'm gonna t let me take you somewhere. So he, uh, the father takes him to um, another residence, I don't know, it's a building, I don't know, it's a place. And he says to the son, he says, stay here and I will send 
uh, I'm going to go make contact with some people and they're going to come by and they will pick you up and take you to a safe place. Okay, so the sun stays there. And as evening comes on, I believe that's how the story goes. As evening comes on, uh, someone shows up and, and says, I'm who your dad, your father sent to come take you to a safe place. So, so the son goes with a guy and they go some little distance. It's not there in the town. And there is a, a, a rather large truck. I don't think it's a semi that long, but it's a, it's a fairly large truck. And uh, the, the, the guy says, if you'll get up here in the back of the truck, uh, we're going to take you to a safe place. Okay. And so when they undo the back of the truck, there are some people in there, families. There are, there are what, a dozen? I can't remember now. It's like, it's like a dozen some people in there. And there is a, they have put... Um, some store of food and water in this truck, and he says you'll you'll be safe with them. And um, what you going to do? You know he's trusting his dad, trusts this other guy. He gets in the truck, and the truck starts off. And the truck travels for three days, I believe. I think as we remember, it was three days. And so. Night and day, three days on this truck. They've pretty much eaten up everything that's in there, and I don't know if they've got some water left. And the truck finally stops. And when the truck stops, the truck is in London. It has gone from a city in Iran, and if you look the, uh, across, you can go across land masses and do this and go to France and take the tunnel and I mean, you could, I don't know how they did it, or maybe they put it on a, you know, a transportation thing from across the canal, but the channel, but it ends up in London. And so they let him out, and uh, he's kind of hungry because he's, they were running out of food. So he goes to a, a little grocery uh, there, and he's got some money, it's Iranian money, and then he's got some other money from another currency. And so he's trying, he goes up to the counter to try to pay for the food that he's trying to get, this little handful of food. And uh, the English guy can speak a couple of languages, but he can't speak Farsi, which is what this young man speaks. And so they're trying to, like, deal. And on the other aisle over, another food aisle over, there's a man. And the man speaks Farsi to the guy. He says, can I help you? He says, yeah, I'm trying to buy this, and this is what I've got. And, uh, and you know, and he says, well, let, let me come help. So he comes around. He helps get him food. And he said something like, how do, how do you know Farsi? He says, well, it's relatives or something. But he, but he knew Farsi. The other guy did. And so he said, well, I've just arrived from Iran. I've been in the back of a truck for three days, and uh, I was, I'm a Christian, and, and uh, they were around the church, and my dad wanted me to get safe place, and I couldn't be around them anymore because um, they're not Christian. Parents aren't. And uh, so 
This guy happens to go to Stephen Peter's church. That's all we know this story. Church 61 or... Yes. And so he told him, and which is, which is a kind of a trusting someone you don't know. Like, how do you know that he's not secret police, even though he's already in London? But, but anyway, he trusts him. And so he says, well, if you'll come with me to our, I'm a Christian, and if you'll come with me to our church, I've got some friends that can put you up and give you a bed to sleep in. So he does. He goes with him. Pretty much anything else you can't do. You know, sort of. So he goes with him, and they put him up at the church. And uh, they said, I guess you're, you're going to stay here. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. You know, I don't have anybody around here. And well, uh, we, some of them knew of a job that he could do. And so they get him this job, and he has to walk. Or he has to get up and walk. It's a little, little walk, like you know, walk an hour to this place. And so uh, he does this for two or three days, and he comes to the church, and SP's church takes bicycles. This is one of the things they do ministry-wise. They take bicycles that are broken down and they put them back together where they'll ride. And then they sell, sell them sometimes and sometimes they give them away. I mean, they, 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 anyway, so they present him with a bicycle. He's got transportation. He's got somebody's house to live at. All because the right person in the right moment was in the grocery store and not only that, but his caring father knew of this network from Iran all the way to London that they put him on. I, I started thinking about that story yesterday, and I went, boy, I need something, because I just don't think I can look at the news again right now. You know, I kind of checked in on the news every few hours. And... Okay, so anybody else got a story for this morning? <laughs> Turn with me to Acts chapter 9, New American Standard. Again, as I've been going through this, I always have to kind of, kind of teach this, even for myself, as if I've never seen it. Like if I, if I jump ahead knowing stories that you like, you, know, you have your favorite stories in the Bible of things that have happened, but I still have to read it like I've never seen the next sentence. Just start with the beginning of that sentence. So we had some pretty cool stuff that had happened with Philip last time. So Acts verse one, chapter 9, verse 1. Now Saul was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord and went to the high priest and asked for letters for him to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, that was the name that, kind of stuck about the Christians. Both men and women, he might, he, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Verse 3, And as he was traveling, it happened. You just never know about happening. Didn't see this coming. Had, there was no heads up. There was no prophetic person that showed up out of nowhere like other places in the Bible and said, Da 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 da, you know, God's doing this, nothing. Saul is doing what Saul is being Saul. He hates the Christians. He hates this stuff, them saying that their leader is the Messiah. And he just wants to lock them all up. You know, he was, they, when they were stoning Stephen, they probably threw their coats at, kind of put their coats down at the feet of 
in front of Saul, which is kind of indicates that he was like the ringleader of, of you know, approving of stoning Stephen. So suddenly, a light from heaven flashed around him. And he fell to the ground, verse 4, and heard a voice saying to him, I don't know what this must have sounded like, but wow, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Bright light, voice from heaven, this is what you hear. I always love too, is like whenever God talks, he uses just enough words. Me, I would have thrown in five paragraphs of other information. You know, but he just says just what needs to be said, right? And verse 5, and he said, Saul said back, who are you, Lord? It's obviously that this is somebody. <laughs> Could be an angel. Jewish people believe in, you know, encounter of stuff. He's not sure who's saying this to him. And he said, I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. I, you just don't know what went through. We can't go. We'll have to wait and ask him someday. I mean, here he's been going after this, in his mind, a false Messiah. Jesus of Nazareth, this guy, this false person. I'm just going to take care of everybody that's following this Jesus. A light suddenly flashes. He's not prepared for this. The light, there's a voice in the light. <laughs> and saying, why are you persecuting me? Well, who are you, Lord? I mean, I don't know how, what tone. Was that shaking? Was that whisper? Was he yell? I mean, what? And then for the voice to say, I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. And then there's an instruction, verse 6. But get up. <laughs> but get up, enter the city, and it will be told you what you must do. That's the whole encounter. These two little sentences. The men, verse 7, the men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground, verse 8, and though his eyes were open, he couldn't see nothing. Leading him by the hand, they brought him into Damascus. Verse 9, and he was three days without sight, neither ate nor drank. Now, if you and I, being Jewish, that would have gotten our attention in the storyline. The number three. The number three is always has something usually to do with God. He just loved that number three. That one and seven and twelve and forty. He, I mean, he's got he's got his numbers, and that's one of them. Three days without sight. Yeah, neither ate nor drank. I'm sure. Verse 10, now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. 
And the Lord said to him in a vision, so vision is a waking, usually it's not like a dream, it's a waking event. It could be daytime or not or nighttime, but I imagine it was in the daytime. And says, Ananias. Just like saying Samuel, Samuel, you know, whatever. And he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, get up and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias <laughs> come in lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. So the Lord's kind of laid out the events here for him. Verse 13. Don't you just love the Bible? Ananias is talking back to God. You know, it's okay to have like this conversation of something. Like Moses, that talk back. I mean, we've got a bunch of people in the Bible there's always talking back somewhere, maybe. Verse 13, Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man. How much harm he did to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. What do you, what do you hear in that? What is he saying roughly? Are you sure? Do you really want me to go over there? It is. I can't speak. Ah, your brother will call for you. You know. So. <laughs> I love this because they they never change God's mind, kind of like that. It's only where, like in Moses' case, you know, where God says, "I'm sick of them. I'm going to do away with them. I'm going to start a, a new group of people, Moses, and you're going to be the leader. And then Moses starts this intercession, all taking God aside if there is such a thing. No, Lord, you can't do that. You're not going to look good. You know, they'll say, well, he could bring them in, but he, I mean, he could take them out, but he couldn't bring them in. You know, it's just, and the Lord changes his mind. So, in this case, Verse 15, but the Lord, but the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel or instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. There are some spiritual stories going on today in Israel and in the Gaza Strip and even in Iran and everybody else is involved. And now those up in Lebanon, because they've been decided that they're going to get involved, you know. In the midst of all this stuff, there's uh, Christian stories. There's stories of God's Jewish children, his Christian children. I mean, you know, we're all part of this family. I have to remember that when I hear all this other terrible stories going on. Verse 17, so Ananias departed 
entered the house, and then look at the steps, after laying his hands on him. That's the first thing he does. Now, around here, we, we, what that says to us is, is that it doesn't, it doesn't always matter if we get it in, the, in a certain sequence. <laughs> as long as we get all the parts in. Right? So when we pray for somebody, it doesn't matter. You, there's not a perfect protocol of praying for somebody. So after laying his hands on him, he says, Brother Saul... That's interesting, calling him, him, calling him brother already, right there. He's already, he's, Ananias has been thinking about this before he got there. This whole encounter, he's had an encounter with God. Saul has had an encounter with God. <laughs> brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming, has sent me so that you may regain your sight. And be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales. He regained his sight. He got up, was baptized, and took food and was strengthened. Now for several days he was with the disciples who were at Damascus. So we see that there is an evolution going on. In hours, and I mean just a very short period of time, this famous Jewish guy who we see from other places probably studied, studied under one of the under Gamaliel, a famous teacher, probably part of the Sanhedrin, the, set, the ruling seven. I mean, Saul is a somebody in the Jewish world. He was. He's just been converted by God in person. <laughs> Verse 20, and immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogues, saying, <laughs> the very thing that he's been attacking him for, he is the son of God. This Jesus is the son of God. He's the Messiah. Verse 21, and all those hearing him continued to be amazed and were saying, is this not he who in Jerusalem destroyed those who called on this name and who has come here for the purpose of bringing them bound before the chief priest? But Saul kept increasing in strength and confounding, confounding the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah, is the Christ. And when many days had elapsed, the Jews plotted together to do away with him. <laughs> the very person that they thought was going to be their ringleader, that they get, could get behind and take care of these Christians in the way, he, he's become one of them. Not only that, but when we talk to him, he tells us that, he's a, that Jesus is Messiah, and he's, he, he's just got so much logic and words and anointing because he's got the holy spirit too we we can't we can't outdo what he's saying we're just gonna have to kill him verse 24 but their plot became known to saul and they were also watching the gates 
day and night so that they might put him to death. You know, there's just got certain place you can come and go to be safe in a city. So Damascus has got that. And verse 25, but his disciples, he's already got some that are looking to him going, wow, he's cool. Let's, we're going to group ourselves with Saul. <laughs> no. <laughs> Took him by night. And led him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a large basket. Hmm. Now, who else has been in a basket? Long time ago. Yeah, a little baby. Little baby Moses in a basket. And now all this time later, Saul is going to be in a basket. Let's see. He wrote 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament. We credit him as being the one, you know, being going toward Rome and all these church Christians being planted in all these cities and then him writing these story, these little books back to them, little corrective things. The church moving across Western Europe, Paul is the marine leader. There were others that did really big things, but, but he is the one who did this. He is the New Testament equivalent of Moses, probably. I mean, he's phenomenal stuff went on. Verse 26, and when he came, when he came to Jerusalem, he was trying to associate with the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. Uh, yeah, well... Not believing that he was a disciple. This is a trick. He's just trying to find out who we all are. But Barnabas, the encourager, you know, son of encouragement, one that, that his name means that, or took hold of him and brought him to the apostles and described to them how he had seen the Lord on the road, going to tell his story for him, and that he had talked to him, and how at Damascus he had spoken out boldly in the name of Jesus. Verse 28, And he was with them, moving about freely in Jerusalem, speaking out boldly in the name of the Lord. So they've accepted him, and he's just the person he's always been, very skilled orator, writer, all this stuff. You know, he's, he's doing this stuff. In verse 29, he was tar talking and arguing with the Hellenistic Jews, the ones that have a, their Greek speaking. So, you know, he, he knows multiple languages. And we also know because of his parents, his parents had become Roman citizens. So when he was born, he was born to two Roman citizens. So that made him a Roman citizen. So he's, he's a, a, a elect group of, I mean, when, you, when the occupying Romans in towns, you know, some people paid to get citizenship and had to do special things, and he's like born into it. So he's got Roman citizenship. I mean, I mean, if our government was looking for somebody to make them into something, they would pick this guy because, like, he's got the credentials. You know, they're always looking for credentials. This guy's got the credentials. So they're arguing, okay. And, and <laughs> but they were attempting to put him to death. Like, so their mode of operation is, if we can't convert you, 
we're going to have to stone you. I mean, we've got to kill you. We've got to do something. We've got to get rid of you. This is their, their uh, method. Verse 30. But when the brethren learned of it, they brought him down to Caesarea. And then and from Caesarea is a, like a seaport place. And sent him away to Tarsus, his hometown. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace. <laughs> Being built up, going on in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it continued to increase. So Saul, the troublemaker, being not Christian and being Christian, still a troublemaker. So they decide, what are we going to do with him? Let's send him home. Send him back to his place. <laughs> and don't leave. Just stay in Tarsus. How about it? Which is what he'll do until the church, you know, we move zone. And then and Barnabas says, hey, you know, Saul's good at talking to these people. I think I'll go to his house and get him and take him on the road, which is what happens. So. I wrote in pencil on the edges, so I'm trying to see if there's any little thing there that I... So in this one, we have laying on of hands again, which is something that's been kind of being highlighted the last so many weeks when I keep seeing things. I go, well, that's just everywhere in, in book facts. There's just always laying hands on people. And uh, visions... Uh, Jesus appearing, uh, appearing to different people. So what do we do with this? Be open to that God just might use any of us in something unusual. Yes. You and I wouldn't have ever written this story down like what really happened. We would have told it some other way. There wouldn't be a single news group in, in, in this country, no matter conservative or the other end. They wouldn't tell this story. The real thing. Anybody else got something? That was good, Lloyd. Well, I'm through, Kyle. <laughs>